for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome to another uh, episode of Agile FM. Today I have Katie Anderson uh, with me. Uh, she has a web address, not as easy, katieanderson.com. No, it's katiejanderson.com. Just want to highlight that if you're starting Googling her. She's an internationally recognized leadership coach, consultant, professional speaker, uh, best known for inspiring individuals and organizations to lead with intentions. She has written a book, Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn, that was published in 2020. We want to talk about some of those topics today. In this episode, we're going to talk about maybe Australia, Japan, UK, United States, topics like that. Um, but first and foremost, welcome to the podcast, Katie. Thanks, Joe. I'm so really excited to be here and to have this conversation with you. That is awesome. There's a, let's let's kick it off with a fun fact because I was uh, doing a little research on your website that is kbjanderson.com and I did some research and you started your business in July 23rd of 2013 and exactly in that week the first Agile FM podcast came out. Oh, wow. Well, we're uh, <laughs> we're fated to talk together with the great beginnings of a podcast and a Here business. Yes. Who would have thought almost 10 years? Congratulations I, to that. I know. Thank you. Um, and who would have thought I had no intentions previously of starting my own business, but looking back, it's not a surprise when I sort of see how the things in my past actually connect it to lead to where I am today. Right. It's a very diverse background. I noticed, right? You started uh, working, you know, if I, and please correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, Planet Hollywood or something like that was a oh was yeah, a mix, but, you know, I was well that my I would consider that pre my professional pre, career starting, exactly. but yes, it, in the year and a half after I graduated from university, I moved to London and was Katie from California um, as one of the servers at Planet Hollywood. Now this is back in the late 1990s when Planet Hollywood was like you know the place to go. Right. So uh, it was it was a fun, fun That's experience awesome. and a great kind of bridge between fin graduating from Stanford University and moving on to my mm -hmm. the first part of my career in academia. So, uh, yes, I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur. So starting right. as an academic, but it all came together full circle. Right. And that was before 2013, way before you yep. know, the starting point. But we can say. You know, England, London, Czech, first country already, right? Covered, you lived yeah. uh, in that country. And there were other countries uh, on your journey as well. Australia, yeah. but Japan, well, so, I think, had a huge impact yeah. on you, right? So, prior, so I've lived in, I think, six countries outside of the U.S. So in high school and in university, I did exchange student programs in the Dominican Republic and in Spain. Then moved to London after university. And I was uh, a winner of a Fulbright scholarship. And that's how, what took me down to Australia to do my master's degree in public health policy. And I stayed there for four years. And that's when I made one big career shift from academia actually into consulting, mm -hmm. uh, still in health, the healthcare space, and uh, then returned to the US. And that's where I got my introduction to lean and continuous improvement and operations and all mm -hmm. of the things that now have shifted into my my later career and then moving right. to japan as well so it's all of those things you just touched on speaks for your diversity and, and things we have experienced that obviously have an impact on on the things you all bring together right i think that's that's what this is right when you're 
pulling from different kind of areas and, and life and, and professional experiences uh, even better. Japan, I think, had a big impact on you. Yes, all, all these places have had, yeah, a big impact, but, and Japan has had a tremendous impact on me from, it was almost eight years ago at the time of this recording that my family moved to Tokyo for uh, my husband's job. He actually works in, um, works in IT and we went out there for almost two years mm. and has just been an incredible part of my personal and professional life since then became the basis for my book, Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn. Lessons from Toyota leader Isao Yoshino and a lifetime of continuous learning, and the uh, this Japan study tours that I run, uh, and leading leaders and practitioners from around the world mm -hmm. to go learn to, in Japan on an immersive week long trip. Right. So I'm excited to be going back to Japan in 2023. So we're post pandemic or moving through the oh, pandemic yeah. now. Oh, of course, yeah. that obviously had an impact on that as well, right? Um, help me build this this connection obviously is Sao Yoshino if I pronounce that correctly Correct. well done yeah thank you yeah so he he's part if uh, indirectly part of the book because these are stories right you have extracted and, and learning from from him what is so uh, fascinating about him that you decided I want to write a book about him or not so, uh, 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 about him but you know in, in the context of um, from a leadership's perspective learn and extract from him Yes. Yeah, so, the, I mean, he is the subject of my book. We became well, what, what I thought was a once in a lifetime opportunity to spend the day with a Toyota leader in Japan turned into one of the most profound and connected, you know, adult relationships in my life. And he played some really important behind the scenes roles at Toyota in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, as it was really transitioning to this real learning culture that was more people-centered as well. So leading uh, and being part of teams that were like almost you consider the cons internal consulting team, some huge leadership transformation uh, efforts, retraining a thousand plus of Toyota senior managers on really what it means to be a leader, to create learning in organizations and achieve goals sort of the foundation of so much of what we know that might be considered kata or A3 thinking as well. And then part of the joint venture between Toyota and General Motors when uh, Japan was, sorry, when Toyota was expanding overseas, known as NUMI, he was in charge of the leadership development program for the training program for the American workers to come out or the American managers to come to Japan to learn the Toyota way. So really proved that you can translate this thinking across Mm. cultures that it's these principles like work it's just how we embody them and how we support the development of other people so mm. and so much more but uh i as i dug into my learning from him and realized how much history that hadn't been captured and just his wisdom his own personal journey i realized this this needed to be brought to the world um so it's been a, one of my life's great privileges yeah so so we had the opportunity to speak more spend more time with uh um isao I would assume yep. that just this one one day. Oh my gosh! Yes, I. So I we he. I'm recording this in my office. It's also our guest room. He stayed at my house multiple times. We. I would when I was living in Japan. We would spend. I would jump on the Shinkansen, the bullet train, almost mm -hmm. every month, every other month. Spend the day with him. Started writing. I was writing a blog at the time. Being a lean practitioner, mm -hmm. living in Japan was a really you know unique opportunity. 
and was writing about our conversations and people were really taken with it. When I moved back to the US um, in 2016, we continued our partnership and then just uh, this idea of writing a book came to be. And as you know, the concept of a book, um, a great idea turns into something different and it became a much larger project too once we started with purposeful interviews. But uh, it, we've, I, this book is the culmination of thousands of hours of conversation, which yes. I'm so grateful to have learned from um, and having the one-on-one -on -one interaction, but also to be able to synthesize them and put them in a really, hopefully yeah. enjoyable read, but a really helpful and useful um, book mm -hmm. for, for practitioners, lean, right. agile, you know, just enthusiasts about learning and leadership around the world. Right. So uh, I just wanted to make sure, right, because it, you know, not that anybody walks away from this podcast is like, oh, she spent a day with. Uh, no, no, no. This a is book emerging with years. almost 400 pages, right? Yeah. No, no, years. And we, so I had, you know, a lot of material from pre previous years of conversations and writing blog posts and working, partnering together. But we, mm -hmm. when we said yes to like, we said, yeah, let's do this book idea together. And it actually wasn't intended to be using all of his stories. It was, it had a different form and shape. And I talk about that in the introduction, how it morphed as, you know, you learn, uh, but through the purposeful interviews over the course of a year, it, it, it became clear that so much needed to be, so much more needed to be shared and in a different way. Right. Just curious. I mean, I would assume the conversation was in English. Yes. So Mr. Yoshino spent 14 years of his uh, career in the United States. Mm -hmm. And actually, as you discover in the book, you know, his lifelong dream was to live in the U.S. And he studied English mm -hmm. from an, an early age. And this is quite unusual, actually. You know, he was born at around the time of the end of the Second World War. And so, you know, the U.S. and Japan relations were, you know, they're a little different than they are now. Wow. But so his, his English is quite fluent and which has been great that he too, through the pandemic, even though we had planned to have all these in-person events, he's now able to connect with different leadership teams and help them uh, have conversations and talk about things as yeah. well. Do you think like, even though it's not necessarily the mother tongue that something, you know, was it hard to catch something that might have gone lost in translation just from like Japanese culture at Toyota, right? Like mm. from a professional's perspective, translating into English, was, were there any kind of difficulties? just like from a language perspective. I mean, there's always ways to, you know, like mm. say it differently, but it's not the same necessarily, right? Right. So I would say not as much between Mr. Yoshino and myself in terms of the book, as mm -hmm. it relates to um, principles from Toyota and what we know as lean or the Toyota way, whatever you might want to call it, there have been some lost in translation moments. And particularly, uh, and I highlight this at the end of the book about the internal document that Toyota put together in 2001 to really sort of summarize their, their culture and what it, the Toyota way really means. There were two elements that I really consider lost in translation that have really, I think, impacted how people think about what is emerged as lean or agile and a little bit more focused, why we've ended up being more focused on tools perhaps than the real essence, which is around learning and people. The first is that the Japanese, the way the Japanese words are written, respect for people, we only have one word for respect and one <laughs> sort of the one way of looking at the people, but 
the 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 way the kanji symbols are written in Japan, there's a there's a nuance in those words, and it's respect for humanity or respect for your humanness, which mm -hmm. to me has a much in, more enriched mm -hmm. uh, meaning than re just respect for people, which you might be able to think of as like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm respecting you just because of your title. And the second element, which I think is real a real miss, actually on Toyota's part, because they were the ones who translated it this way, was that the the way they the pillar of the Toyota way that they translated just as continuous improvement actually is made up of two Japanese words one which is kaizen which we know is uh, or we we are commonly know as continuous improvement or improvement but there mm -hmm. it said it was kaizen and wisdom chie and oh. we're totally missing the word wisdom mm -hmm. from this concept and to me wisdom is like that generational knowledge it's it's yeah. information that we're putting into place and it's it's much richer and so our the missing the word wisdom to me yeah. really just makes sort of continuous improvement okay yeah we want to make incremental changes and improve all the time wisdom has this sense of gravitas um mm -hmm. and and generations mm -hmm. and connectedness that um, so that that part to me is lost in translation as it relates to my conversations with mr yoshino um i don't mm -hmm. know i don't think so yeah well, so your so your book, uh, what's what's really standing out is in a very short period of time since 2020 when the book came out, mm -hmm. uh, tons of reviews and not only reviews, five star reviews. I mean, it's just very very remarkable. I have to say, usually I don't pay so much attention to that. I had people on a show here with a few stars, you know, and uh, on an on an Amazon page, but that really stands out, I have to say. And, and what I want to say, those those guests were great guests, great topics. It's just like, you know, what the public thinks about it. But this, that, that's tremendous mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what people would like to um, learn from you here. And let's let's focus a little bit on the book, right? Because it's I think what's what's in there is about learning to lead, leading to learn. It's a, it's a great wordplay. Right? I love it. Right. But it's uh it's also something what you just mentioned about continuous learning, right? Um, well, we'd like to go is in terms of, of leading is so a lot of people, at least when I started my career, they were hired, you know, because they brought a certain knowledge to the job description when they were hired to say like, we need exactly that knowledge to come in. Right. Especially on the leadership side, right? It's like, I need that leadership to come in. I need somebody who has that knowledge. So you're basically brought in for what you knew at that time your book is all about going the forward, right? You're coming in and you continue your learning journey. I don't think that, you know, that's obviously what we're talking about 20, 30 years ago. It might have been different and maybe it was me isolated, but it just felt like that, that in the beginning you were hired for something because of your knowledge at that time. I think that is a concept. So how do you, you know, how would you tell the listeners here to uh, listening to this episode here right now, the approach at Toyota, what you have learned and what you experienced really is since, since you wrote the book in the years before. Yeah, absolutely. And this is really what I see as the, the secret to Toyota and why they've been so successful and why so many companies and leaders around the world are really trying to emulate what they've done either through applying lean or agile or Kata, you mm -hmm. know, all of these things that sort of had its Genesis through these, um, through Toyota really be applied in different contexts. Mm -hmm. So one of the, 
the framework that I talk about leadership is this comes out of this comment that Mr. Yoshino made one of the first times I met him. And it really summarized to me the simplicity of what leaders need to do. And it's actually inherent in the Kata framework as well, or A3 thinking, whatever, all the tools you want to talk about from, from Toyota. Leaders set the direction. So where do we need to go? Mm-hmm. And you know what's that challenge, the target we need to achieve? Then provide support. So that's the coaching, the development, the cultivating other people's expertise and figuring out how to get there. And then the third part is about developing yourself as a leader. And that third element is often missed when we think about leadership. Yeah, okay, leaders need to set the strategy with the goals. Where do we need to go? Okay, yes, they need to provide support to their people. What does that look like? Uh, But this realization that we also need to be always developing and improving ourselves, both from our knowledge perspective, also from our behaviors and our skills and abilities to be clear on strategy and direction. And then really, what does it mean to provide support? And you highlighted what I think is one of the biggest gaps that I've observed in leaders around the world. And was also, you know, when I, when I realized for myself as a, as a manager and leader within an organization, a challenge as well, is that we have cultivated deep expertise and knowledge, and we are hired often for that technical ability that we have developed and that's great when we're in an individual contributor role or there's a problem that specifically or a strategic initiative that needs to be solved. But when we have people development responsibility, which right. usually comes being a manager or a team leader or however the structure is, you also need to be stepping away into how do you cultivate that expertise for other people and let them learn and develop those capabilities. And so we have to navigate this leadership continuum between being an expert and developing the expertise or coaching the expertise of others. And that can be a really hard shift for us to make and some things that we're like invisible to sometimes. Mm -hmm. So we're jumping in with all the answers and trying to give people all of our ideas, which is great because we feel helpful, but actually missing out on that secret sauce, which is cultivating learning across the organization. Yeah. And it's not only the learning for team members or a team or a group I, I work with. It's also my own learning, right? So that's also fine. Uh, absolutely. And we, so we're learning, and I call this this chain of learning, like we're learning through working on a needed goal, but we're also d- learning through the interaction about mm-hmm. how to be more effective and how to do right. that differently. Yeah. I always think that if you hire somebody, you know, exactly through like a checklist of skills and expertise you're looking for, and let's say you have that perfect match, check, 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 right? And you got them all done. That person would be bored coming on the job, right? Because it's like, that is, you know, what, what's the learning path here, right? So you got to provide that for a person, at least that's how I'm triggered, right? It's like, what's what's next? How can I evolve? What is there to learn? And, and that platform, that environment has to be there uh, for somebody to flourish, right? Absolutely. We, I mean, we know this innately as human beings, right? We always need a little bit of challenge and a little bit of something new or making progress. I mean, that's very rewarding. And when we don't have that, we do feel disengaged or, you know, unsatisfied. And so that's part of the, you know, a manager or leader's responsibility too, is making sure people have enough challenge that's Mm -hmm. stretching them, but enough support that they feel like, you know, that, that they're not like doing it all alone. Um, at that same yeah. time. And that's where that learning zone, that sweet right. spot of the learning zone comes in. Mm-hmm. I, I just saw recently, like I think it was a McKinsey um, 
statistic that was all about like leadership and the introduction of agile, uh, the impact on leadership. And it was like uh, a significant percentage of people freed up time to actually focus on strategy, right, in, a, in an organization because they were so caught up in um, in day-to-day -day activities working like on, on very tactical items, right, because they were so blocked and, uh, and agility created a kind of space for them. So I see that as, yeah. Absolutely. And one of the unintended consequences of us kind of jumping in to participate in problem solving or taking, telling people all of our ideas is we end up actually taking on the burden of having the responsibility for doing those things. So we don't have time right. and space to do anything else. And so actually to be more effective, it's how do we, how do we know which are like our problems to solve and where is it mm -hmm. really our teams and our people and what does it mean to show up differently to provide that support and that help that's needed right. without uh, taking over all the all the activity? Yeah. So that's the great leadership challenge, right? <laughs> Here we go. That's a good one. Let's 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 um, explore this a little bit because obviously Isao Yoshino is from Toyota. So how would you respond? I'm just curious. Put you on the spot here. But uh, how would you respond to somebody who would say like, oh, that's all great. You talk to him and you wrote a book and it's about Toyota and it's maybe lean. Um, but what if, you know, somebody says, I work in a financial institution, mm -hmm. we're not building cars, right? Or something like that. How would the topic, I feel like I know the answer, but I just want to make <laughs> from you, how would a topic like this apply to, you know, something more gen generic out there where somebody mm. in a totally different industry might not even for profit, it could be nonprofit, yeah. right? Anything like that. How would, you know, somebody benefit from this? Well, I, first and foremost, I started off in healthcare and working in large hospital and healthcare systems using these same principles right. to guide improvement. And I now work with, you know, I'm industry agnostic, really, you know, I work with IT functions. I work with large, you know, biotech, pharmaceutical mm -hmm. companies. I work with knowledge workers, you know, all across the board. What I think is really important is we have focused far too long on sort of the visual artifacts or the process side. Now it's really important to improve the process, of course, of how work is done, how value is created for any organization's customers. The principles of all of this thinking can be applied to whatever industry. So what is your purpose, your organization's purpose? What is the value that you deliver or create either a product or service for your customer? How are mm. you do that, doing that in the most effective and high quality way? How are you engaging people's thinking and problem solving at the right level each and every day? How do they know where they need to go, set the direction? How are you creating that active, engaged workforce? Mm -hmm. And how are you improving yourself as well? So I, I think it if we focus too much on like, oh, I'm in a different industry, they, this can't work, we're actually missing the whole point because the, the, the way it will manifest will be different, actually different across any organization, even if you're in the same industry. industry right? So this is why Toyota never cared about if people went in and saw their, you know, went to the manufacturing shop floor and observed things because they knew they were missing the thing that's really the secret, which is underlying right everything is that they're creating learning, looking mm -hmm. at how they're developing people, engaging people each and every day. They were just solving the problems they needed to solve. 
Right. Your problems are going to be different. So yeah. um, that, I mean, that's my, really my response. And I heard that so much when we were getting started in healthcare too. Oh, we do, we provide healthcare for people. You know, we're not, uh, you're not a manufacturing line. Well, actually there's a lot of similarity. If you look across, like mm-hmm. looking at value and how we create value. Um, yeah. But it's yeah. interesting, right? As you, as you just said, like very transparent on the on the floor, right? Build how we build mm. things and take a look at it. We're very transparent in this. But even with the secret sauce, it's not easy to build that 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 map, right? To say like we can still do that because now we have the tools, right? We can say we have a better understanding of what's behind it, right? But we're still we're still struggling to identify opportunities within organizations to try something like this. I mean, I'm, I'm just uh, myself, you know, I'm, as, as we talked about before, the Kata is what I'm very passionate about. Same thing, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, this is from, comes from Toyota. It's extracted from Toyota. Um, how would that map or apply to something else? And, and I see the synergies, but, mm. you know, even with the secret sauce, it's not easy. No, it, I mean, that, that's the, that's the challenge, right? Like actually, these concepts are very simple and they really make a lot of sense if you just take a step back, but it's not easy to put into place. And it challenges all of us to, to think in a different way. I mean, I think of my own business as well. Like I'm well steeped in all of these principles, but to apply them in my yeah. own work requires me to like put real effort into that and to like, yeah. Oh, how am I making the invisible visible? How I ha- do I have clarity on where we need to go? Uh, all yeah. of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's also the answer. I'm just I'm just gonna ask you because the, the book itself has the the little add-on. It says workbook. Mm, yes. It's not a coffee table book. No, it's a, it's <laughs> reflect and learn. I mean, it's right here. It's a beautiful coffee table book, but no, it's for applied yeah. learning. Applied learning. Exactly. So um how how would you like and, and obviously that's why I said coffee table book. It's not a coffee table book, it's a workbook, right? Because we do wanna use a copy and we, we want to work in it. So how would you like the learner work through some of those things you're describing in your book? What's the style with the book? How would you envision that? Is that a start to end read? Is that a um, chapter by step, chapter and then possibly exercises? Is that something you would go along with as a professional? Um, is that something you prepare for something? How would you like to see the reader uh, or the professional use that and, and consume the work? So the book is really you can choose to use the book however you want. The The way I wrote the book is about Mr. Yoshino's chronological learning journey. And so it is, you could, you could go into one of the case studies and just read that. What I think is really helpful is it, it shows like a real human perspective of how like someone starting at the beginning of, you know, actually there's some backstory of his own purse, how he got to starting at Toyota, but as a new mm-hmm. college graduate and and experiences he had at Toyota about learning what it actually means to lead in this way. What does it mean to be a manager? What it means to be a a leader and then Mm -hmm. starting to apply them across different uh, assignments that he had at different parts in his career. Some, which were great successes and and the last, you know, uh, actually an innovative new, um, you know, product for Toyota was a huge failure that cost the company $13 million. And he was responsible for that. So, you know, I think the human, human story and the feedback I get from those almost 255 star reviews on Amazon yeah. is, is people really love this. It's a real story and it's really human. Yeah. Um, but of course you can jump in at any point. And I have reflection questions at the end of each section of the book to help people, you know, think about it. 
So I wrote the book, the workbook as a companion to really take some more of the concepts that I help mm-hmm. leaders and practitioners um, learn about what does it mean to have intention? Who do you want to be? What are the actions aligned with that? What impact do you really want to have? And then some more, some of the questions plus more questions to reflect on some space about that, some different exercises to go through to really bring to mm-hmm. life some of the stories and the principles that are talked about in the book. But how does that relate to me, you or mm-hmm. you rather, the, the reader, the, the, the learner? And then have, what, are you, what action are you going to take on that? So mm-hmm. you can use that as an individual. I also bring this into the leadership development programs I do with companies around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a core part of the learning experience, um, and have done as part of different cohorts of um, one right. like small group learning I've had as well. Yeah, well, you're you're super well connected with the lean community, as 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 we know, obviously from from your background. You have worked with agilists around mm-hmm. the world. What would be your advice for agile leaders from your experience, from your, you know? seeing in workshops and i'm sure there were some agile leaders uh that came across your work or read your books or gave you feedback but what would you like to tell them in terms of mapping your book to the agile community and possibly a focus on leadership and learning yeah absolutely and you know i've had different agile leaders and practitioners join me in japan and have been part of my workshops and learning so people also in the it space and and mm-hmm. many, many, many knowledge workers as well. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to go back to what I, we were just talking about that the, these principles mm-hmm. go beyond and actually, uh, you know, any, you know, I guess, categorization of approach that you would, do you want to call it agile? Do you want to call it lean? Do you want to call it, you know, continuous improvement Kaizen? All of these things are built upon these foundational principles about what it means to achieve results, how we get there, how we solve problems, how we develop people to solve problems and how we improve ourselves as well. And so when we can get back to those fundamentals, we can apply them in any aspect of our work, regardless of, you know, what that's looking like. And it can help us think differently about our, um, the processes. And of course, then we can bring in the different frameworks and approaches and apply these the the our leadership behaviors to make those more effective. And You're so right. I would say take this take this step back to really think about what is your purpose in your as a human being first and foremost and then how does it apply to your role or function and what you're trying to accomplish the impact you want to have and mm-hmm. then thinking about how are you best going to get there and and how you can align your actions with having that impact that you want and then how do you take the other frameworks and tools in within your sphere of work and make that happen. That's so strange. that's, that would be my recommendation and yeah. uh, just sort of, and I'm not trying to take, you know, away from saying like, we all have different approaches, have a great impact applied in the right context, but this is really fundamentally about how you're, it's a real human story. And also yeah. what does it really mean to be a leader and be a humble leader and a humble learner? And uh in a way that's not what I what I appreciated so much about, and I continue to appreciate about Mr. Yoshino. He's almost seventy nine, by the way, and we're actually mm-hmm. talking later today at the time of this recording, as that he was willing to share not the, just the success stories, but the challenges and his personal failures too. And I think that that's really important for us to well, realize and to, you know, 
it's easy to look back and only see the successes, but to hear about people's challenges also validates our own challenges and our own struggle. And that the, the, the journey to, uh, to success is paved with setbacks. And this is, you know, learning is inherent about having, you know, not getting things right, but what what are you learning? And I'm obsessed with these dolls called Daruma dolls. I have this huge collection uh, and I, I give them out everywhere. In fact, you know, Rich Sheridan has a Daruma doll for me, uh, you know, our shared mutual friend. And they represent the Japanese proverb, fall down seven times, get up eight. So mm-hmm. when you have a, a goal, you fill in the doll's left eye. And it's like a little paper. Well, they can be giant too, but it's a paper mache doll that's weighted at the bottom. So it's like a weeble wobble. It always write itself back up. And to me, this is this great sort of, encompassing like visualization of a goal, the reminder of the persistence and patience we have to have. Mm -hmm. And, and just a reminder too, of the inherent struggle and the setbacks that happen towards achieving the goal. But if we can keep learning, keep getting up and keep moving forward, we'll eventually get there. Even if the outcome of our goal looks different than we thought at the beginning. It's also tangible, right? Because you see that and and it makes the goal tangible right there's yes. something to it right very, yeah to these uh here we go so yeah, yeah i have one you can really knock it down and it will keep getting back up so keep going right. yeah our listeners cannot see this but uh, that was a the rumor doll and we can we can put a link into that and yes we'll, uh, there's well exactly yeah, I, I'm usually i'm often holding a daruma doll so you'll see many right. and <laughs> actually i gave larry culp the ceo of general electric a larger Daruma doll when we were on stage together uh, in October of 2022, we were, he loved my book, recommended it to all GE employees across the company, which was, you know, amazing. And then I had the opportunity to have a fireside chat in front of a thousand people at the Association for Manufacturing Excellence. And we talked about this concept of struggle and learning and also you know, the things we have to unlearn as leaders to get there. So I gave him a Daruma doll because I'm sure he has, I know he has some big goals out there, but he said the same thing. He had to unlearn everything that he was trained in business school about what it meant to be a leader. Um, or not maybe everything, but yeah. we have to get out of and do what I call break the telling habit, get what out of this mm-hmm. mindset that we are supposed to have all the answers. We mm-hmm. have a lot of good answers, but are they the right answers? And, and yeah. so anyway, it was really, uh, it was really wonderful and, and awesome to hear directly from Larry and have the chance to talk with him and really see, you know, I, I put him like with Rich Sheridan, these leaders who are really embodying these concepts that we're trying to develop in organizations uh, about what it means to really be an effective leader and an inspirational one too. Um, Katie, I don't even want to ask you a question. This was such a wonderful, wonderful end you just closed it out so nicely that I don't even want to go and ask you another question, but um, this is, this was really awesome. Um, I want to, I want to thank you for your time. I, we can, we can uh, tell from your schedule that you're very busy. I'm happy you spent some time here with the listeners on Agile FM um, that are out there and said, like, well, that was very interesting. I might pick up a book. Um, I might visit your website. That is kbjanderson.com. Um, and there is uh, ways to find you speak, ways to engage, ways to find a path to your book or anything like that. Um, and um, I'm super thrilled you had the time to share your story here a little bit with us, your story, right? I think that is great. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for inviting me here. And I'd love to hear from your listeners about what's one takeaway that they had from this conversation. 
and to definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. Um, if you're interested in how to break your telling habit, I also have a you know a free downloadable mm -hmm. uh, guide on my website. So that's KBJ Anderson slash telling dash habit. So you can go there. Thank All right. You. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon. Thank you.